the careers podcast with the information you need to take the next step Yes, welcome. What we've got for you on this episode is it's a conversation that takes in a, a wide range of areas that all relate. They all sort of dovetail, segue together as far as careers are concerned, particularly the, I guess, the conditions uh, that can drive or in some way affect what you go on to do next, be that the next step of education or a job, Nick. Yes, certainly. So for the first episode of the Careers Podcast in 2024, we've got a a genuine careers expert who's been working with young people in the areas of uh, how to develop uh, positive, successful careers. And it's it's a real belter. Yeah. And it's also about to be National Apprenticeship Week. Nice tie in there. So uh, here is someone who is a TEDx speaker, author. They're part of Careers Week, inherent to that, and also innovativeenterprise.co.uk. Let's meet our guest. Inside View. So my proper name's Andrew Bernard, but everyone calls me Bernie because I asked them to. Um, I never really liked the name Andrew and it kind of made me feel a little, I often have to kind of explain it, you know, describe it two or three times because I mumbled it and then I realised I mumbled it because I didn't really like the way it sounded. So that's why everyone calls me Bernie. I went to a grammar school, which I didn't really like very much. My I got an E and a U at A level and that was the thing that kind of woke me from my kind of slumber really and made me think, what have I been doing for the last few years? So I then got a job um, after doing an HND in business and finance because I couldn't get into a degree course with my uh, qualifications. I then did a kind of corporate life job. So I worked at Unilever and then I ended up working at two Northwest universities and ended up thinking one day as I was about to leave work and you know when the, the doors open in the winter and you get that blast of cold air on your face, that lovely fresh feeling and I just thought, oh, that's the best part of my day. And I thought, Wow. That's the best part of my day. (laughs) And so I thought, there's got to be more to it than this. So that's what what made me kind of take a step back. I spoke to my wife, who's a counsellor, and I said, I used to kind of joke and say that she didn't bring her ears home. Well, that's not strictly true. I never used to speak about my feelings or what was was really going on. I was just kind of head down, earn the money, and uh, enjoy myself at the weekends. But I wasn't even doing that at this stage. So... I decided I needed to make a change and that's how the kind of journey into innovative enterprise and supporting young people started right there. We're, we're going to look at, as part of the conversation, issues that affect employability, life chances and and how accessible in, in I suppose, the traditional sense of the word, uh, higher education is or isn't. Um, mm. and, and the blog is a in a way, a snapshot of your book, The Ladder. So we'll, we'll uh, bring the ladder in, I know, in a bit. But you've pushed this idea that equality and opportunity around careers choices is a myth. Ooh, why so? Um, I think um, the idea that uh, regardless of, of where you where you live, what your upbringing is, what your social class, your status, your, um, your kind of where, where you begin in life, that's nothing that's going to stop you uh, achieving what you might achieve, you know, if you apply yourself. This idea of kind of nose to the grindstone um, and that kind of idea. But that's really not true through, um, well, for, for a long period of time, obviously, we've had a, a very, very strong class structure. If you look at the the fact that we've had 18 prime ministers that have all gone to Eton, the uh, most exclusive independent boys school in the country. Um, and then you look at, kind of people's life chances and how that was decimated through things like that 
you know, the, the change in uh, industries through the 80s and 90s. We, I think it's become very, very evident that there are, are different classes in this, this country and they, they are given various levels of opportunity or chances or um, the, the opportunity to fail, if you like, and, and it not be kind of long-term detrimental to their, to their life chances. So th this was one of the things that, that really made me um, want to start working with young people because I, obviously I had lots of opportunity. I, I went to a grammar school. My parents moved to get me into it. My dad was just a copper, but he, um, they kind of pushed themselves to, to kind of earn well and kind of, um, push themselves towards getting into the catchment area. But even with all those opportunities, I, it took me a really long time to kind of achieve my, um, my, suppose my career aspirations or my potential, if you like. And it, I came to realize that along with the careers and enterprise companies, cold spots report that looked at areas where there are multiple difficulties for young people getting into, um, into higher education and even having the opportunity to go to FE because, uh, you know, changes to FE structure and funding and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, constantly evolving, constantly changing and constantly not getting very much better. Um, I think it really does matter where you live, what your parents do, what their drive towards pu pushing and supporting you is and how that can affect your life chances. So I, I really do think that there are an awful lot of areas where people are not given the opportunities that they might be purely by dint of where they've been grow where they've grown up what their life chances have been you know race ethnic background all of those things affect people's success so that's really where that kind of equality of opportunity is a myth blog came from and it does speak to as you mentioned my book the ladder the whole of um chapter three is about inequality of opportunity where you grow up what opportunities you have and um how you're able to to access them. And I think one of the strongest things that came through from all the work that I've done over the last nearly 20 years in schools is the importance of mentors, the importance of people that see in us what sometimes we don't see in ourselves and kind of say, ah, I think I've got the measure of you. Why don't you try this? Have you thought about that? Why don't we have a go at this? And instead of, I suppose, thinking, oh, we don't want to take those students to university, the university open day, because we think they might be, might be misbehave. I think the really important thing for, for teachers and all kind of adults who had support in the past, let's face it, we've all had it, is to say as many opportunities for as many people as often as possible, because you never know what one of those opportunities is going to kind of just set the spark or, you know, light the light bulb above someone's head that makes them think, do you know what? I, I could maybe see myself doing this or I've never considered myself doing this before. I've never seen someone like me or who looks like me doing this job. And do you know what? I reckon I could do it. But I don't know. That's a very long answer to the question. I hope that kind of gets the message across as to why, why I wrote that particular blog and why I'm so passionate about it. It does. Absolutely it does, buddy. And, and I, I tell you... Listening to you there, one of the things it made me think, I saw one of these visualized podcasts with Steve Coogan as the guest the other day. Now, he grew up in the north in sort of 60s, 70s, and, and was speaking about his parents. And while uh, other parents in his, his peer group um, were looking to get sort of one of the first generation of the color tellies, they went out and spent an yeah. equivalent amount on uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> and 
they yeah. had this sort of uh, uh, he used the word aspirant idea, and and they they wanted to better themselves and for their children to feel that. Do you think? I mean, that's that's a fairly sort of uh, crude, almost romanticised example. But do you think that that we overlook in this battle for higher education, careers, etc., and and purpose? We overlook the the impact that parents have and how crucial it is because traditionally those sort of um, institutions, be they schools, etc., careers, uh, uh, teachers, advisors, etc., and your peers. But but there's this kind of big black hole of parents and, and whether we are good enough, you know, in what we're looking to instill. Is that is that fair, do you think? Um I think it's a really difficult job being a parent. Mm. Are you a parent, John? Yeah. 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 We we have got two now adult daughters and we, we kind of look back and think how can we seem to have got it right? Mm. You know, they both went to Durham Uni. They're both doing really well. One's a deputy head in a primary school. One works for the Royal Society. And we think, how on earth has that happened? But I think one of the things that we were really, really clear about, and I think this is really, this is something that is is very difficult as a parent. I think having boundaries and saying, no, this is not what what we find acceptable. And I think... When you've got teenagers, I was a teenager that pushed boundaries. My parents had boundaries and I pushed against every single one of them. I, the wheels came off for me in the sixth form when my parents made me stay at the grammar school when all my friends went off to the local college where obviously I'm thinking, you know, they could they could wear their own clothes. They could talk, you know, call the lecturers by their first names. And let's be honest, at the time, all I was obsessed with is girls. And, you know, there were girls there. I was kept at the grammar school with the blazer that I'd had since I was in year seven. <laughs> and I just kind of everything, I just kicked off and rebelled against everything. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the the really important things is that parents need to kind of instill this idea that here, here are the boundaries. Here, here's what we expect from you. But also, we're not going to do the work for you. So, you know, our our youngest was fairly had a very very relaxed attitude to to exams and and one day we just said you know we're not going to push you mm. these are your exams we've done ours you know if my wife's got a master's i've got a degree eventually um we're not gonna be on your back like your friends who are not allowed to go out we're not going to ground you this is your absolutely your responsibility to to do this so i think you know, in terms of parents, as I said, it's a very difficult job. We always said the boundaries, here, here are the boundaries. Here's what we find acceptable. Don't try and bounce off one another because we've already talked about what, what we find our boundaries are, what are acceptable. We're going to give you some care. You know, you know that you are loved. You know that whatever happens, you, we're here for you. And the third thing I would always add is sarcasm because I think if you have young people that take themselves too seriously, that's in some ways a recipe for disaster. That's one of the things that I very much fell into that dominance-based masculinity as a young man. I got involved in football fighting and violence and stealing clothes and trying to be the person that I thought other people thought I should be. I took myself very serious, and that got me into loads of different kind of scrapes and trouble. And I think it's really important that, that we ground our young people and give them a sense of humour. So, you know, in terms of, I think, a parenting background, but then that, that's my advice, but then... Every child is different. Every parent's different. Mm. Every person's experience of school is different. You will have parents who, you know, I didn't like school, but I've kind of reflected on it and it was my fault that I didn't like it. There will be parents who hated school, who then instill that hatred of school into their kids and kind of say, well, 
it didn't do, it didn't do me any good. So you know, if if you want to stay off school now, do it. You know, if you want to, I think you should start work as quick as you can because the sooner you start earning money and bringing it into the house, likewise, you know that there are loads of different options for young people that maybe parents are not up to date with. So things like apprenticeships, one of the things that um, people seem to think is is a great thing for young people is apprenticeships. They are great. You don't ha- end up with the kind of the long-term student that get that that you get with a degree, but you know that they they're funded in very different ways in different places. They're not always the funding is not always that secure, um, but you do end up with a really good skill. So you know that more of the practical based, although they are there are leadership ones now, but more the practical based, more the skills based stuff. Even if you don't stay at that company, you've still got those skills. You've still got that ability to go on and then set up your own business. And that's one of the other things that I, I notice in, you know, I bring out in the ladder. We've got nearly, I think there's 5.1 million uh, small businesses in the UK. That, that That's what, um, that was the case when I wrote the book. 4.7 million of those don't have any employees. So the idea that, you know, we're not teaching very deeply how to start a business and that's kind of seen as a, almost a kind of, either you're going to be an Alan Sugar or you failed at getting a job, so you start your own business. I think we need somewhere in between the two, you know, as a as a valid opportunity for for going to work. Um, so, I've spoken a lot there. I don't know whether I've answered your question. I think the, the parents are a key role, and I think it's really important for parents to look at what's going on now rather than what happened previously um, to them, what happened in their lives, and also maybe to. I suppose support young people to allow themselves to try different things and maybe dare I say it, allow their their young people to fail but also mm-hmm. kind of help their young people to to realize that even if you fail you've got a place to live you will help you build yourself back up and we'll give you the opportunity to start again and I think that that's something that's I think really important um, just one thing while we were talking about apprenticeship sorry I'm jumping around um there's a really good argument for young people going on to apprenticeships if they're not finding that the academic route suits them or they've got their ideas set on a trade. One of the things that I think can sometimes stop young people doing those things, if if they've got a family that that um, depends heavily on universal credit or benefits, mm. sometimes doing a higher apprenticeship can can affect the entire family's benefits um, uh, availability. So if your housing benefit for your entire family is going to be changed because you're a young person that wants to do a higher level uh, apprenticeship, then that's going to obviously manage your expectations or your ability to go on and do things. So I think even with the best will in the world, sometimes the way things are funded, um, funded, badly funded, misfunded, underfunded, you know, the funding is manipulated. Mm -hmm. That can actually affect people's aspirations and opportunities as well. So is there a, a, a political will? Do you see anything on the table um, in terms of, of the government at the moment and politics generally that that, that wants to alter that and, and ensure that those who, you know, may have benefits, et cetera, affected, reduced, et cetera, um, yeah. by these higher apprenticeships? Do you, is there an answer? Is it coming, Bertie? Hmm. I haven't seen anything from the current administration mm-hmm. um, that's kind of looking at that in, in a positive way. I think we're all 
experience in the government now that are treading water. They are kind of trying to retain power. And I'm hoping that with a general election in 2024, there will be a change of administration that will hopefully put young people at the centre and, and an equitable future for all young people. Muddy finances, for so many reasons, underpins so much, not just the reason that we've just illustrated there. But yeah, what do you suggest is the best course of action? If a young person is being fed that line, that apprenticeship will adversely affect the family finances. And, and I say, we're, we're taking uh, benefits away yeah. from this at the moment. Let's just say that, you know, but there are both parents in the picture. They both yeah. work, but they, yeah. should we say, enjoy uh, the money that they think their son or daughter ought to be bringing in? Well, that's a really difficult one. And I think every single individual is going to be experiencing something different. I mean, as we were saying, you know, not all opportunities are open to everyone in the country. I, I think it's incumbent upon all the adults in the room to actually look at what the bigger picture is, but also take some advice. I think a, a lot of um, a lot of parents don't necessarily avail themselves of the brilliant um, careers advisors that are that are operating and working in, in every single school. Um, it might be that they disagree with what the careers advisor is suggesting, but you know things change all the time. I mean, your careers advisor is the best person to kind of support that young person. They know your young person maybe a little bit better than you as a parent do. Maybe they speak more about it. Maybe they're they're more focused at school. Maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they have some professional advice that might support the, the, the parent's point of view. And I think it, it needs to be this partnership. And I, I, one of the kind of diagrams I've got in my book is at the centre, we've got the young person, but around that, we've got their parents. We've got um, the school system. We've got further education. And we've also got employers, don't forget. So let's see you know, how that, that kind of group of people around that young person can really be supportive. I mean, this is where the idea for the book came about when I did a TEDx talk at TEDx Whitehaven in, I think it was 2016, which are called Engineering Random Opportunities to Succeed. And the idea for me, as I mentioned before, is that every single one of us had a leg up in some way. It might not be a very, you know, a massive one. It might have just been a, a teacher or someone up you know, our place of private work or part-time work that said, do you know, you're really good at this or mm-hmm. why don't you give a go at this or, oh, you, you've got your driving license, haven't you? Oh, we need a van driver, so can you help us with this? And then all of a sudden, your life goes off in a different direction. And I think it's really important for us as adults, regardless of our position, to try and see if we can support young people, young people that we know. Maybe we've got a, a nephew or a niece that's looking for support in their in their careers. If you've got a business, say, why don't you come and work for me over the summer? Why don't you come and do this? Why don't you come and do that? And there are loads of different opportunities. And I think it's really important as parents, as young people, and also as kind of adults in the wider world, we look around and think, okay, I had some support. Is there a way that I can support young people? I mean, Innovative Enterprise, I've worked with, I think we work with about 165,000 young people in the kind of 16 or 17 years we've been working. And nearly all of my both of my daughter's close friends have worked with me during the summer. Um, I've had people work with me for kind of three or four years that started out being one of our one of my daughter's friends who then kind of maybe Joe, I'm thinking, for example, he worked with me for a couple of years. He is a brilliant graphic designer. He was quite low on confidence. He worked with me. I ended up kind of nudging him towards doing some uh, development work in some of our workshops, some of the background stuff, but also some of the delivery. And I think it's really important that no matter what our role is, that we try and give support to young people. And we don't know everything. So it's about finding out, supporting, looking for that information, because 
as parents as an, and as adults kind of giving young people that advice, I think it's really important that we allow young people to see that there is advice out there. There are people that can help them and that no one person or organisation knows all the answers, specifically not for you. You've signposted um, that more young people are equating university with debt. That if I do uh -huh. this, this would be great for me. This might be perfect for me. But look, you know, after three plus years, I'm going to be so uh, uh, suffused with debt and so far in the, in the red here. Mm. How worried are you about that? Is, that? is that a very real, tangible problem, Bernie? I think, again, this kind of can come back to your upbringing and what your parents' attitude to to learning, but also to debt is if you've got a, a family that maybe aren't on a massive amount of money, then send a young person to university and they're going to come out come out saddled with debt in inverted commas then that's going to be something that might put that young person off let's not forget that if you have a degree that's specifically related to a career then you're much more likely to get that job and you're much more likely to get paid i don't know what the stats are but you're likely to get paid a lot more over the course of your lifetime the other thing to think about is that it's a very very small amount on a monthly basis on the life of the debt you know on, on the life of the, the kind of person that's paying it as an adult do you think very much about your mortgage yes you've got one but it's one of those essential payments if you get a degree you don't have to pay it back until you reach a certain salary level you then pay back a very very small amount each month which is far outweighed by the amount of money over what you would have earned without the degree once you've got that. So I think it's, again, back to getting advice. It's really worth finding out. When I when the, the kind of payment system came in for the £9,000 a, a year, one of my friends who is a senior lecturer, in fact, he's a, a dean of a faculty, associate dean of a faculty now in the Northwest University, he said, look, honestly, it really should not put off any young person because... The amount of money that they earn is going to far outweigh what they would have earned without the degree. And long term, it's a very small amount that they only start paying after they start to earn a particular amount of money. I understand completely that some people are very worried about getting into debt just, in inverted commas, just to learn. But I think as well as the kind of degree that you come out with, you also have a lot of opportunities to meet different people, to learn about yourself, to create independent thinking, to, you know, to learn to live on your own. And I think it's a really important thing in, a, in an age where young people are finding it more and more difficult to, to leave home. I think it's, it's one of those things that is a nudge to get out there, to start going to university, to kind of embarking on adult life in a relatively safe way, and as well as having um, a broadened mind and um, a piece of paper that obviously unlocks the doors to jobs that you wouldn't have had access to before. Your book is called, as we said at the top of the conversation, is called uh, uh, The Ladder. Perhaps I'm just on a sort of a, a, a whimsical flight of fancy here, uh, Bertie, but <laughs> you, you're conjuring up these images that, you know, we are, you know, climbing that ladder, you know, aiming for the top, etc. There's lots and lots of, and, and quite right too, uh, uh, aspirational messages around, messages that there's nothing that we can't do, etc. You know, you have the power, you can empower yourself. Yeah, yeah. But but the ladder also suggests that we can slip back, we can fall back. Is that, do, do we, should should we perhaps temper these aspirational messages a little more with some, some realism? I, and I dare even say a little bit of cynicism. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Mm -hmm. um, it's called the ladder. And it let me just kind of overview what it's about. It's about using the experience I've, gained and the research to back it up 
over you know of, of working within schools for the last 17 years and the the subtitle of it is supporting students towards successful futures and confident career choices now i was really really clear on why i wanted to say successful futures and confident career choices because so many times i think i mean think about how how many jobs you've had in your career and how many of you ended up in and how many of them have been conscious decisions so the reason I'm asking that question is because when you speak to a lot of adults, they go, well, I just kind of ended up doing this. Yeah. And, you know, if you look back at the the things that led you to end up in inverted commas doing that, they're quite often chance meetings. They're quite often things where you pushed yourself differently or where you just thought, oh, I'll give this a go. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a go and see what happens. I wanted the book to be about helping young people assess who they are before they start thinking what do i want to do so there's a thing in it called the um the skills assessment and it's about looking at what skills you've got how those skills fit into the future and how you could improve them um and it really is about helping the young person not only to find a suss out who they are where they fit into the world it's also what makes them happy what doesn't make them happy so there's a couple of coaching tools in there like the things like the wheel of life and get them to think about where am i now am i happy where i am now do i feel like i've got skills if i don't could i have better ones how do i develop them and there's a number of tools that teachers can use in careers lessons in personal social health and education personal social health and economic education to help them to kind of suss out who they are and then not only that, but to express themselves. So if you say, you know, can you tell me why you want to do this? A lot of young people go, oh, I don't know, really. I just saw a TV program on it. Or um, my dad says I should do it. Or I, I kind of quite like working with my granddad in this, in this woodshed. So that's what, you know, and just that idea of, oh, can you tell me about yourself? Uh, uh. So it was really about, first of all, who are you? What makes you tick? regardless of what your kind of family pressures are or what school is telling you that you you may or may not be able to do who actually are you what do you actually want to do where do you see yourself in the future and how do you describe yourself and how do you kind of gain confidence in talking about the skills that you've got so that if you get an interview or you do an application to either university or, or for a job how do you express yourself confidently about the things that make you tick and how do you fit into the world the careers podcast so nick let's have a a, a dig around the themes and, and the great points raised by bernie there have a bit of a deeper dig to it taking personal responsibility he underscores it and it's a major making of a champion's theme as well yes yeah, certainly and <laughs> i really enjoyed listening to to Bernie's he's got so much experience and, and wisdom in the world of careers and how you plot your path really and and recognizing that it doesn't always go in a kind of straight linear progression and there's a lot of exploring and there's a lot of finding things out and trying things which we we absolutely advocate and, and sometimes you know you might feel like you start with some disadvantage and and you know it's, it's undeniable that there are certain social and economic and contextual advantages that certain people have when they're setting off in the career journeys that other people don't but fundamentally wherever you're starting from the the, the need to take personal responsibility 
for your own life and for your own career and the choices that you make to be the best that you can be mm. in order to do the things that that will you will find most enjoyable fulfilling is something that is a really important point to make as we kind of process all of that information that's out there in the world what what can i do what's within my ability to control how can i develop myself how can i discover who i am and what interests i have those sorts of things i think is a is a, is a really important kind of response i guess to some of the things perhaps some of the inequalities some of the advantages or disadvantages uh, that that you know as you listen to this you may be facing it often occurs to me nick that recognizing and you know, analyzing your own current reality where things are for you in so many senses at any given point in time isn't an easy thing to do it can be a very very tough thing to do but then you know I I guess you would advocate uh, reigning against that in some senses by uh, looking at your dreams your aspirations uh, making plans setting goals and and making something systematic yes it is a challenge to to take a a realistic view of where I'm starting from but still have a, a really exciting positive view of the future and and that sort of that paradox of you know face the current realities and you know face the brutal realities some some people would talk about you know be be as brutal as you can about where you are now mm. and uh, the, I, I guess yeah thinking about bernie and he sort of talks about his uh, not so great a-level results and having to really you know that was a bit of a shake-up of you know hey this is this is not great or the, the story he tells of you know walking out the door from his job and just feeling like you know this is the best part of my day you know maybe i can find something better uh, so it's it's the kind of you genuinely face where you are and and discover what you can about why you are where you are but also think positively about the future and i think the the opportunities that that are around yes the, the you know those opportunities aren't kind of universal and and always equally available however there's probably more opportunity now to kind of grab hold of stuff you know that, that isn't necessarily right on your doorstep or you don't actually have the people right at hand that can can help you the most because of the the online world because of what's out there people like bernie who are doing so much good stuff and, and national careers week the amount of resources and uh, education and information that is is produced is there that you can grab hold of through various social media and, and online world mm. as well as what's kind of close at hand I, I know from prepping this podcast with you nick that mentorship is something that is uh, stuck its head above of the, above the parapet and is really really useful you know as you said seek it out and draw on it and, and if possible be one you know and, and i think we maybe get hung up on this idea that uh, mentorship is somebody always who is i don't know uh, a, a generation above you and is always so much wiser but there's peer-to-peer stuff isn't there schools quite often will encourage uh, peer-to-peer uh, review assessment that sort of thing uh, it, it might be a member of your family might be a parent equally a teacher or somebody of your age but mentorship is such a powerful thing yeah absolutely and in really simple terms it's just somebody that knows some stuff that you can learn from Mm. and is willing to help you and often people are are willing to give more than they are actually drawn on i remember doing some some work in a graduate training scheme i was helping to kind of do some training on a scheme that were that graduates in a in a large organization were part of and one of the senior leaders within that organization was talking about their mentorship scheme and saying, look, we make this available and you can have access to some senior people that will help you in your career journey. 
but lots of people don't take that up and you go why would you not do that and, and yeah there's lots of reasons and you know confidence and being willing to kind of put yourself out there and all that sort of thing but genuinely if, if there are people around that you can you can learn from and you know have if you're at school have conversations with teachers uh, because they do have some wisdom talk to careers advisors but also people that might be within your kind of friends and family and if not there find other uh, opportunities to to learn as well as get involved in other things what i really liked uh, what bernie was saying was if you can be a mentor then definitely do that mm. if you have some capacity if you have some <laughs> learning and it's one of the things you know with this podcast is is we we want to share learning from lots of different people and their experiences because you can learn from that again if you can't if there's not somebody mm. close by that you can spend some some time off with in real life face to face then there's lots of ways to kind of draw on some of the aspects of mentorship through yeah through the things that are available we, we talked didn't we just beforehand about the um the, the diary of a ceo book which yes. we both got for christmas <laughs> yes. you know, there's, there's a little bit of you know you can learn from stephen bartlett and his experiences you know through his book through his podcast yeah you know there are other things i think about the high performance podcast which uh, has some really good interviews on it again ways that you can learn it's not exactly mentorship but opportunities to learn from people who have faced challenges done some interesting things you know, and and can share some wisdom. Yeah, it, it, funny. Obviously, two completely unrelated people must be telling us stuff, Nick. If they both bought us the diary of a CEO, the thirty-three <laughs> yeah, laws yes. of business. Life. And I actually, I, I did open at a page last night that I thought was particularly salient to this, uh, where uh, Stephen Bartlett writes: "Stop telling yourself you're not qualified, good enough, or worthy. Growth happens when you start doing the things you're not qualified." to do it's it's a fantastic mantra isn't it to to put into action yeah yeah it really is confidence to try stuff and reckon yeah except that it's not always going to go well and it's one of the things that bernie talks about a little bit and certainly mm. recognize that where some people will have that what seems like a, a a bulletproof exterior where they'll just try stuff and it doesn't work they'll try something else and they'll just keep going and nothing seems to knock them back that that inner confidence and, and for for lots of certainly i've not <laughs> had that as sort of from young you have to learn and practice and and really take take your, your you know yourself by the scruff of the neck so i'm gonna try things i'm gonna do things that are uncomfortable because it's going to help me learn it's going to help me grow uh, and and importantly help me discover uh, about myself i really liked bernie's talking about in in the book that he's, he's written the ladder and, and the skills assessment aspect of it there are things in in that book to help you understand what makes you tick who are you mm. uh, and before you kind of make big career decisions i'm definitely going to do this find out about yourself how do you describe yourself and as you learn some things like that that helps you to gain confidence oh yeah I, I really am somebody who's good at this i really am somebody who who's interested in these kinds of things that's all part of the confidence gaining mm -hmm. uh, process and, and very much some of the things that are in uh, Making of a champion, we always talk about those three questions, don't we? The, uh, you know, what, what am I good at? What do I care about? And uh, what do I enjoy? What do I love doing? Those things, again, help you to, to learn about yourself. And the more you reflect on those, the more confidently you can make decisions that play to your strengths. I think that's uh, a great thing to be able to do. And we have to, don't we, on occasion, probably more than on occasion, fight the, the cognitive dissonance of 
trying to you know justify and almost backpedal out of why we got something wrong rather than you know deconstructing it you know having some humility in there it's it's the falling short thing there's what i think is really good at the moment there's lots of messages isn't there nick that, that failing as, as you kind of said uh, and falling short uh, has to be an intrinsic part of growth so once you've done something that has failed you should you know turn it on its head and and look at it in a positive way it sounds really cheesy, doesn't it? It sounds super corny and cliche. You know, every failure is a learning opportunity, or you know, every failure is the stepping stone to your next victory. Yeah, and and genuinely failing at something can be really hard. Things not going your way, you don't get that job, you don't get that apprenticeship that you thought. Oh, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go for it. It doesn't happen, and it really is a case of what can i learn from this what can i be better at what do i how do i need to develop myself what knowledge or skills can i improve what about attitudes and all those sorts of things to work on the next time you go and do something like that you will be better equipped and and every story i've ever read every person i've ever spoken with who've done things we go well that's that's interesting exciting impressive there are always stories of great failures you know <laughs> i do quite a lot of speaking in my job but i could tell brilliant stories of, of horrendous uh, talks doing some you know doing training sessions where it was just appalling you look back and go it's awful but you you know you 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 get through it you do yeah. something for the first time you're never doing it again for the first time every time on from there is going to be a little bit better if you learn from it you know yeah. not if you repeat the same mistakes it's not necessarily the case but can I learn? How can I grow? Mm -hmm. And this, I guess, determination for personal growth is, is a really important part. I think that comes across a, a lot in what Bernie's been talking about. Interesting footnote uh, that I certainly picked up from, from listening to, to Bernie. It's almost a, a director's note for, for parents uh, in there. And this notion of uh, fostering independence or autonomy, call it what you will, of that teenager that's approaching their exams, etc. It is difficult to, to know the right approach. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst we have a lot of young people that listen to this, we know that parents <laughs> listen as well. So it's great that Bernie addressed that. I'm a parent. I know you are as well. Mm. And it's the desire to want to fix things, make things okay, can be really valuable or helpful but there's definitely the the need particularly as people get towards the you know they grow up to the point where they're having to make decisions about what kind of person they're going to be what kind of attitudes they're going to develop what are their values and what sort of jobs careers they want to do it has to come down to their own hard work their own choices and we, we absolutely do a disservice. Um, it's against one of the leadership principles we will always teach when we're coaching and mentoring leaders and managers in the workplace. You have to let people uh, or you have to give people autonomy, give them space to, to learn and do things their own way and to grow. If, if you're always trying to control, then you stifle growth. Um, let me tell an interesting story on that. My son is uh, 16 and we, uh, my wife and I, we went away last weekend, in fact. And every now and then we get a bird that comes down into our wood burner. And it's a bit of a kind of high intensity situation. And it, it comes down in it kind of, you can hear it tapping at the glass in the living room. And, and he rang us as we were away and said, there's a bird in the wood burner. What are we going to do? And my instinct was, oh no, we should have been there to do that for him. We talked him through it and he did it himself, got the bird out, opened the windows and got it into the room and out of the 
room and, and sorted it all out. But he was really pleased. I oh, I did that. That was that was quite yeah. kind of nerve wracking but exciting. It's just the kind of those moments <laughs> where you 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 have responsibility. Bernie talks about you say you know saying to, to their kids, mm. you know, this is on you. We yeah. we can't force you to do it. This is on you. Create space, allow autonomy. I think that's. Uh, yeah, really tough lesson to learn as a parent, but a really important one. You have to watch it, Nick. He'll be looking to leverage financials from you and uh, your wife there. For, I released, <laughs> yes. I released a bird. It's got to be worth ten pounds easily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's freedom. Um, more, and, and lots again, lots of conversations with friends of of our kids and things. You know, say so we get, you know, if I pass my exams, I'm going to get this. My yeah. parents will buy me that, and you think, okay, it's not not saying it's something inherently wrong. But we've taken the view as well. No, you you, you do this for you. Yes. Work hard yeah. for you because mm. it's it's about not not for us. Because if it becomes about what we want for you, yeah, I, I very much agree with Bernie. That that's taking something from you that is is really important for yeah. for you know developing a a good positive future. Yeah, and seconded to that, Nick uh, definitely. Um, innovativeenterprise.co.uk is where you'll find more of uh, Bernie's thoughts and contributions to all sorts of angles of uh, careers, uh, some excellent and, and really thought-provoking information and advice, Inter- innovativeenterprise.co.uk. What about the uh, Making of a Champion uh, uh, content and, and teachings? Uh, where can that be found then, Nick? All the resources we have for for helping young people is uh, lmi-uk.com forward slash young leaders, uh, and particularly the... Uh, the workshop we've got, the Making of a Champion workshop, which you can access. Um, it's it's a kind of recorded video on there, and it will take you through those three questions: What do you love doing? What are you good at? What do you care about? Um, which again, a bit of self discovery, and certainly recommend Bernie's book as well. Some mm. some skills assessment stuff in there. All of the all that you can do to learn more about yourself and invest in your own personal development yeah it's incredibly worthwhile Uh, much gratitude to bernie and to you as ever nick and we will see you next time brilliant thank you john and thank you bernie the careers podcast with the information you need to take the next step